Me and my friends do sinister things And that's because we're cynical beings And we're living in a house And we're chilling upstairs And we're doing a podcast Impaired How's it going, y'all? This is uh, Impaired Upstairs Welcome to our, our first actual episode And um, how you guys doing? Doing so good. I'm yeah. so excited. Okay, so what I've been thinking of recently, um, what we've all, what we've all kind of uh, speculated upon, is uh, so we're from the we're from up here in the Pacific Northwest. Why is it all the bands from up here are all sad? All their music is very sad boy. Um, like we we can name a bunch of examples right now. Um, what's what's with this pattern? Nirvana, Alice in Chains, uh, Modest Mouse, um, not to be that guy. Um, Death Cab for Cutie, big time. Oh yeah, big um, time. There, there's probably more. I guess we can name a few. They're just depressing. Yeah, totally. Their music is is very very good, typically from from this region, but it's always so. Um, there's always undertones that are very depresso. Um, it does rain a lot up here. I don't. So that's interesting that you bring up the weather. It rains a lot, but not like in the amount of actual rain we get but in the um, number of days that it does rain so like like washington compared to the south i think this there's lots of regions in the south that get a lot more rain by like inches of rainfall but we have a lot more cloudy days like a lot more cloudy days very true i think i i think that must play some sort of some sort of role you know i agree i mean um and that's the thing is a lot of these bands, I mean, all of these bands are definitely from, like, all the bands we just mentioned are from the Northwest region of the Northwest state. Because there are other parts of the state that are not so, like, dreary all the time. I mean, yeah, ha- half like, the state's kind of, like, somewhat of a desert. And it's warm. Right. Um, but, yeah, from this area, um, I mean, like, Death Cab is from, I think, Bellingham, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, it's just, like, really, like, it's just sad music. Which is cool. Um, Modest Mouse is from Issaquah, equally sad and like nihilistic music. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know. And then there are other there are other bands from other parts of like the country or the world that um, there's not the same correlation, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think. Have you ever heard of the Seattle Freeze? No, I haven't. Okay. So there's this theory. Well, it's not so much a theory as a phenomenon that like in Seattle, it's kind of difficult to make friends. Uh, because people like are really friendly to your face, but then they just want to like stay inside all the time and they don't want to go outside. And so then once they get back to their apartment, like any plans that you make will end up falling through because they're like, eh, it's cold and rainy and like, I don't want to go outside. So I wonder if that kind of plays into it, like isolation and people just, uh, like, I think we're kind of, um, yeah, we're kind of loners up here. I don't know. Well, I guess I've been in the Port Angeles freeze for the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Huh. Yeah, um, sorry, I've never... I'm not going to be able to make it. I forgot I have other plans. I, yeah. I forgot yeah. if I have to sit inside and like look at the window as it rains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And um, that's interesting. I've never heard of that term, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I think I think that's, a, that's like a phenomenon that a lot of transplants like people you know from california or wherever um they come up to seattle or the pacific northwest and they're like what is going on like why don't you guys go out why don't you guys do things and i don't know it's interesting yeah i was thinking about uh 
like how Seattle's dynamic is a lot different from like if you go down to uh, San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, I think part of it is also the way that the city is built. It's on this giant hill and it's all in a big circle, like super compact. But if you go to, um, you know, the Las Vegas Strip, it's over a really big uh, stretched out area and it's not, you know, in a in a not so compact, yeah. Or, yeah. Um so I think p- that could be part of it, you know. Yeah. A lot interesting. of dark alleys and uh Oh, so you think like the fact that the city is built up more makes it feel more like isol like the individual yeah. feels more isolated? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Huh. Wow, I'd never I'd never thought of that. Is Seattle shaped like a grid or like a web? You know how the you know how a city can be either way. It's usually either like a grid, which like Port Angeles is definitely a grid. Yeah. If you know, you think about the, like the, like Lincoln Street and like that uh, what's that front first street that's like right on the water, and then everything grids out. Right. Yeah. And then a lot of towns like in Europe are built like a they're built um off like a a, a center area. Right. Right. And that's because they're like really old cities, and it's just they started in a central point and built out. I think Seattle's more of a grid. Okay. I think, um, I think, and I think that's probably because of the age of the city. Like, and it makes it makes navigating the city a lot more intuitive because you can be like, okay, well, I have to go up two blocks and over two blocks, and I'm where I need to be. Um, whereas, like those European cities, you're like, you can, and if you walk on one road, you can end up going in a full circle. Right. I need to go up two blocks and then to the right three blocks and then up one more block and then to the right two more blocks and then down seven blocks and <laughs> yeah. I'm finally there. <laughs> yeah it's kind of interesting so yeah maybe i huh i can see what you're saying but that gives that gives a little bit more um like character to the city in some ways yeah I think um so. yeah so that's interesting like that grid system potentially could make you th- it's almost more robotic Totally. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah, but it's not just Seattle. I mean, like a lot of, I don't know, um, even though it's a beautiful area to live, it's just the weather is not always so complacent. And um, it just, it has a pattern of like kind of getting people down sometimes. And um, the music definitely reflects that. Yeah. I think uh, another thing is that like when there was one great band that did it, and then another another band kind of like gets the feel for it and hops oh, onto yeah. it, and then uh, eventually it comes down to that's what people grew up listening to. Sure. Uh, and then they go on to to sort of emulate that in gotcha. the future. And I guess there's also like what people expect from the outside as well. So if people expect music from the Pacific Northwest, like Washington area, to be kind of gloomy. And then they get some, like, you know, upbeat song. They might get kind of thrown for a loop and be like, well, what's this? You know? So maybe there just haven't been any bands that have, like, proved themselves as a happy band from the (laughs) Northwest. True. I I can't really think of any. Um, I mean, I'm sure we could, like, if we pulled up a list of all the Washington bands, we could probably find some. But uh, most of them kind of have the same kind of vibe. And, it like, I know bands from Portland um, that are are super upbeat. And, um, I mean... The weather's a little nicer, but it's pretty similar conditions yeah. as far as the city goes. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. 
um part of it could be like uh like the lyrics themselves are based on the area mm. and if you look at like California and this is kind of going back into into weather and I say California because that's where a lot of you know the big bands come out of um but they have like they talk about the sun in their music oh they, yeah sure they talk about uh driving around top down uh in their Lamborghini <laughs> whatever it is <laughs> yeah uh, uh but that's just not like something that you really do in Washington unless you right. want um soggy leather seats oh, oh yeah, yeah. Don't want that, <laughs> um one another thing like getting into the weather and like okay we're kind of stuck on this but uh like part this isn't even necessarily the weather but just being up north and not getting as much vitamin d as people do in the south um because there's a certain there's certain parts of the year where the sun literally doesn't have enough energy to like provide your skin with vitamin d even if you are outside which you don't want to be outside because it's like sprinkling and because why bother yeah um so like a lot of people in this area deal with seasonal depression because vitamin D is important to not get depressed. And then, uh, that, so that could have a big impact on the music as well. Like, you know, people going through winter depressy times and, uh, creating, and then that resonates with them because like, it's a powerful emotion. And so they're feeling this powerful emotion and they want to put that into their music. Yeah. A little artistic influence. Um, like Cody was saying about lyrics, lyrics about your area. Uh, there's one Modest Mouse song, and the lyrics are um, a surf rock band with no surf, just pine trees. Right. It's like, yeah, that's that's like you know that's relatable to that. Right. But um, yeah, no, I know you're. Ta- I know like a lot of, I know like a lot of California bands that are just they have a whole different sound, and uh, it's just it's just inherent like with the area and like um texas bands like there's a lot of there's actually a lot of texas bands and they have the same same kind of sound just a little different hmm. but uh yeah up here we got our it's definitely our own thing you know that's interesting that you say no surf just pine trees but like you can actually go surfing uh, at least in our area N- not not in, not in not in Issaquah, not in Issaquah. <laughs> but they need to they need to head out over here and hit the surf in like nia bay and that that whole area you yeah. know oh yeah there's do you ever surf or is that just uh um, Ever go like with the uh, with your old man? Not so much. Um, Cole, our younger, our siblings have gone. Yeah, the kids have been getting in, uh, getting into it. Yeah, but so they they're really enjoying it. I don't know. I don't know why that's something that you and I, Cody and I, have never gotten into. Yeah, it's um, like uh, we both have jobs and we're not self-employed. So well, I mean, when we were <laughs> younger, when we were younger, yeah. I don't know. Well, actually, now that you mention it, the fact that um, dad is self-employed, I think that he's got a little bit more time. Like his schedule is a little bit more flexible. <laughs> and so he's able to hit the surf a little bit more often. Um, yeah. You guys are pretty involved with like 4-H and stuff when you were younger too, right? Didn't that kind of... Oh, yeah. yeah. That kind of... Your time was occupied by, by yeah, other things. Sports and school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sports, school, 4-H. We were always super busy. Mm-hmm good way to be yeah really yeah we were we were talking about that how that's um being being occupied is very healthy for your mind yeah yeah it keeps you uh keeps you out of trouble for sure 
What was the uh, the idle hands saying that you had? Oh yeah, evil, idle hands are a devil's workshop. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you know, keep keep busy and and then yeah, we, I think we were also talking about how like that plays an impact as far as um as far as like poverty and whatnot. Like if you don't have enough money to go out and do things then you're more likely to get in trouble and find like cheap ways to keep yourself occupied and right. those aren't always like the the best things <laughs> yeah yeah like s- self-destructive stuff that you know if you if you had better opportunities you'd have better opportunities but um you can get like in that rut mm-hmm. or um you know it, it's observed that 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 happens and it's it's like boredom and idle hands you know that's yeah. If you have an outlet, you have an outlet, and um, you don't have to worry about certain things because um, you're focused. Right. So, you know what I have found myself doing uh, to keep my hands busy recently. Okay. Is I will scroll for hours on Reddit and Twitter and Instagram, uh, and I'm not sure if that is the best thing. Ooh, so what do you, what are you guys' thoughts on like? The whole social media thing. Hmm. Totally double-edged sword, but it is very, it is very, um, it's very antisocial in a way. Right. Um, it's a good way to, I mean, it's, it's so commonplace now that, um, a lot of people use it as like, um, as escapism. Um, Right. This is kind of a thing you can, uh, you can put it to, but, um, it's, it goes inherently against being like physically social in the way that's healthy. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see exactly what's going on with someone's life, and I don't even have to talk to them. Yeah. I know. Yeah, why bother? Well, you, I, I'll put a caveat on that, and you can, I'll say that you can see exactly what they want you to see. You know, right? And so Very that's true. not like the what people project onto the world isn't what is necessarily. The reality of their situation, yeah, and I think that also fits into uh, like depression in the modern day, and why we have such high rates of depression not only in America but the rest of the world faces the same problem. Is because you can look on Instagram and see all the best parts of someone's life, mm-hmm. and then uh, not even know about about what they had to go through to get there, or that might be their Sunday. Uh, once a month but then the rest of the time is just terrible or or they hate the rest of their time so exactly you always see the fancy car but you won't see the payments yeah oh yeah. man yeah dang wow that's an, such an interesting <laughs> way of putting it like yeah i mean there you see um i mean you see this like you see the surface of the glass like you don't see you know ex- it's it's exactly what they want you to see and um Another thing too is like uh, is like FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's like a rough one for a lot of people, because um, like like you said, you see all these things other people are doing, and um, even though your life may be really good, it's like oh well, I'm not doing that. And you kind of you know before you looked at your phone, you didn't have that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so that kind of it's it's not it's not super great for your like your psychological health. Social media has um, its benefits, obviously. You know you're. You, you just instant communication with anyone, but it's just there's so many downsides to certain parts of it. It's um it's hard to say if it's healthy for us as a society or not. Yeah, and it it wouldn't be quite as bad if you were just seeing like like people's feed as uh like chronologically like okay you would expect 
or maybe not anymore, but when it for, when Facebook first came out, that's how Facebook existed, where it just showed you people's posts in the order that they posted them. Um, right. And that's no longer the case at all. Um, now they're not showing you everyone's posts. They're showing you the posts that you spend the most time on. Um, they're showing you the posts that you interact with. Um, and basically they're showing, they're showing you what will keep you on their platform the longest, you know? Gotta, gotta get that algorithm up and running, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's all about the numbers. Exactly. Um, and they can feed advertisements into your brain. Well, yeah. 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 Speaking of advertisements, uh, this podcast is brought to you by, uh, well, we aren't sponsored yet, but if you want to sponsor us. This is brought to you by Brady's hard work and dedication. Uh, wow, thanks, Ryan. And um and like me just kind of showing up and, and like talking into a mic for a little bit. Right. No, I mean you guys definitely put in put work into the collaborative side of things and like coming up with uh, ideas to talk about and I really appreciate that. It's great. Yeah, there'll be more to come. Yeah. So social media uh, in seeing everything that everyone is doing or what they want you to see, I think that has a very big um, uh, place for, like, seeking social acceptance, you know? Totally. Um, mm-hmm. So should that be the case? It's like, our, should we always be searching for someone else's approval, you know? Well, that's that's so interesting. You know, like... Somebody else talk because I had a thought, but I need to develop it more. Um, no, no, you should you should care very little about what other people think of you. Um, the more you do care, especially when it's when it really doesn't materialize into anything, and it, it's more of it's it's just showing off, and um, like for other people to think that you're cool, um, like why would you want to like why care? Yeah. Um, I mean, you got one life to live, so should you live it for yourself or should you live it to like impress other people? Um, is the way I see it. I've um, I I don't really like. I personally like don't care. I don't like. I'm not very. I'm not super super active on social media, um, because I'm always doing my own stuff. Um, that's good for me. And um, I th- I don't know. I think I feel like that's the way to be. Um, but at the same time, everyone has different tastes and everyone wants to do different things. And I I don't have the right to tell someone what they shouldn't shouldn't do. But in my opinion, I, I don't think you should. You should never search for other people's approval. Um. I mean, especially like um, pretty much empty social approval, right? Yeah, and on the uh, the other side of that coin is like other people probably aren't looking for y- your social approval. So when you go on, you know, Instagram and you you make a post about how they uh, aren't doing something right or they look stupid or whatever, they didn't ask. In the first place. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's another thing, too, is that it just, when you do that, it just kind of stems negativity, whether it's like you seeing yourself in a negative way or you seeing others in a negative way. And um, I think that's that's kind of the root of that evil is just negativity when there really doesn't need to be any. Right. Uh, okay, so I kind of, I figure out my thought to a degree. Okay, so you're you were talking about how yeah, social media is a way of people finding social acceptance. And I think that that plays a lot into, um, like, in some ways, I think 
despite becoming more polarized, we are kind of like hive mindy when it comes to certain things. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Herd mentality. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, well, especially depending on the platform, um, that those trends that show up on the platform, everybody wants to get in on that trend so that they can be like, yeah, I'm one of you. And I think that plays a lot into what we're seeing um, as far as like uh, polarization. Um, And so people either one want to be a part of that trend or they want to buck the trend and do the opposite. And so, so you're almost able to determine who someone is in some ways and this is a vast oversimplification, but in some ways you can determine a lot about someone um, by whether they, for example, they posted a black square on their Twitter or they didn't post a black square on their Twitter, Mm, you know? Um, And this, that goes for like social things in general, um, not specifically political things, um, but just, yeah, you can you can definitely tell a lot about someone by what they post on their feed and what they're what they're interested in and um yeah, but at the same time it doesn't give you it doesn't give you a lot of information about who that person actually is. Kind of what we were talking about earlier where it gives you more of an idea of what they want you to see. Right. But when you get when they get behind closed doors, they might have a very different opinion on things than they're projecting and seeking social social approval from, you know. Totally. And like you said, it's it's like a herd mentality. Um have you ever heard of the term social conditioning? Um yeah, I think Cody, so, I think but Cody. like that's like a expand. Um correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like you become what other people want you to become or how they see you? So. Yes. Um, so uh, a buddy of mine, Dragon, um, he explained it to me. Um, he's, he's actually pretty pretty um, adept with, like, psychology stuff. Um, but he explained it to me in, like, a really relatable way. So you remember, like, in high school, or me and Cody were seniors, but Brady was a little bit out of high school. Remember mm-hmm. that song, Broccoli? Yeah. yeah like, Dram. Yeah, Dram. Um, yeah. So remember how, I mean, that song came out, and then before long, even people that didn't like rap liked that song, and it was it became this, like, social phenomenon. Um, that's, he explained that to me as, like, an example of social conditioning, and um, that is pretty much what it is. It's, it's you know, what everyone else is doing, and um, when you when you spend enough time around it, you, you condition yourself to, to basically fall you you fall into it basically if if you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's hard to explain. But um that's that's I think a lot of what you just explained is it it falls under the category of like oh I I have to I have to have an opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Even though in reality you don't have to. And um, that so I think that actually expands my thought even a little bit further because one thing that I was thinking about is how if you have enough money or influence then you can change that social conditioning right right so you can you can actually through your words and actions and this has been the case throughout time um but i think it's a little bit more observable now with social media the act like the impact that it has on people um basically 
if you have enough influence, then you can change the landscape and people's thoughts just by like bringing things up. And and if if enough people like you, and right. you and you bring up a thought, and other people they might be lukewarm on it, but they they're like, oh hey yeah, like that's a good idea. Then there, a lot of other people are gonna join on that and be like, you know, I I agree, like. I like that, and everyone will come out of the woodwork to support you, um, and that social conditioning plays a big part. Yeah, I mean, it's um, normally it depends on like reputation and what people think of you, um, and that can totally that can change the whole landscape of your opinion and how how people will consider it. Where if it were from anyone else, they may not consider it the same way. Um, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just. It's just really interesting. Like, um, a good example is uh, on on Reddit. I know that it's possible to like buy your way to the front page, and there's examples of companies and um, like game developers and stuff like forcing their product to the front page of Reddit and r slash hail corporate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but then that that idea gets into the like social consciousness so to speak right and people are like people don't even realize that they're like that they're uh becoming kind of pawns in a way but like just by repeating just by talking about it that they're promoting the game you know exactly and um well a lot of time like if um i mean one reason why advertising um especially to like younger people like people our age is a lot of times really ineffective. Like you'll see advertisements from huge companies and it's like, this is so like, they're, they're trying so hard to be relatable and it's yeah. so like yeah, cringy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You guys both know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, it's, it, you can immediately just kind of like, you can just shun it off because it's so unrelatable. And especially when someone, when someone buy, tries to buy their way into your attention and it's and it's about money and it's mm-hmm. about their right. business. Yeah, yeah. Then um you can really you can really shun it. But if it's someone's actual opinion and that person is of you know, that person doesn't have anything to gain other than, you know, like reputation, notoriety, then um if if it seems like a wholesome opinion and they have the reputation, their opinion is taken a little bit more or less seriously than the average person right. with less reputation. And I think that plays I think our generation is a lot more uh, easy to be influenced by things that seem genuine, even if they aren't necessarily, but things that seem genuine, they're more likely to, like, join on that. And so that, like, uh, the H3 podcast was talking recently, and uh, I think it was on Frenemies, which is, I'm not going to get into it, but basically there was a, um, there was an advertiser and they wanted uh, one of the co-hosts to just drop the name of the company into conversation just casually. They just they didn't want it to appear as an advertisement. They just wanted to dr- just, hey, just say our name in the podcast and we'll give you X amount of money. And I think that that is becoming a big, like that whole side of things is becoming bigger and more influential. That's sneaky and probably very effective versus any other way of advertising. Yeah. Cause it gets, it gets the name out there and then people start talking about it and it seems natural. Right. Exactly. That's kind of, yeah, that's, that's sneaky. That's, 
Yeah, a lot of the big advertisers will have like a uh, certain conditions that you have to have to mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. abide by whenever you're you're doing their advertising. And sometimes it'll be like like if you've ever heard uh, a YouTuber or a podcaster talking about a product and they say how much they love the product and stuff and how they actually use it, they probably don't. Or in reality, probably not. Um, but you got to pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, g- go ahead. Keep going. Video game advertisers are the worst for mobile games. They um, and I'm not gonna mention any company names, uh, but it's like you have to have a three minute spot in your uh, segment uh, in order for them to pay you. What I was going to say is I think um, YouTube is starting, maybe other companies as well, but I know YouTube is um, taking steps to kind of combat that. Um, Whereas, like, I know Shroud, for example, he uh, does sponsored videos a lot of the times. And it's YouTube, I think, now requires you to put somewhere in the description or say in the video that this is an ad. Like... Like I'm doing, I'm getting paid to say this because otherwise it's it's almost insidious, you know. Yeah, I think I've seen that. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, I think actually I remember where that might have stemmed from was the CS:GO Lotto. Uh, oh gambling yeah, that's that right. Came out, uh-huh. uh, and it it what happened was there were YouTubers that were playing this. Um, this CSGO, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive uh, uh, lottery site where in the video game there are cosmetics that you can purchase and some of them can be worth a lot of money, like like 500 bucks, $1,000 for this cosmetic, you know, in, in a video game. And they were a third-party website where you could take your skins or your your cosmetics and go and sell those or trade them uh and and use them to gamble for new ones and and better ones and what they were doing is going in and uh without telling the audience that they you know made this site uh they were playing it and getting you know these really great uh uh, cosmetics that were worth a lot of money and they'd be hitting them every single time so the question is were they manipulating the um the code uh in order to to get better um you know better loot uh they were definitely manipulating their fans their audience totally so yeah someone got in hot water for that didn't they yeah a lot of people did yeah yeah and it was specifically bad it was specifically bad just because they, uh, yeah, they weren't disclosing that they were like owners of this site. Um, and that, you know, it, it's just not, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, another big, uh, you know, YouTube controversy was when rice gum was promoting gambling to children. Um, I remember that. That's what I was thinking. It was, I think it was him. Yeah, him and uh, one of the Paul brothers. They were. Yeah. Uh, right. They were doing yes. the whole gambling thing. It wasn't. It wasn't actually. Ga- I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was gambling. But it, there was something. 
there's it was like a it was kind of like a loot crate, right? Right. right. Where you, it was like okay, go on this website and you pay like five dollars per key, and you could potentially get like a diamond ring or like a new car or Some new Adidas. Yeah, or maybe you just end up getting nothing or right. like a marker. It or, it yeah. was it was gambling. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't know what it. So what are you guys' thoughts on gambling uh, in general, you know? Oh, man. Um, I've actually never, I've never gambled in, I've never gambled in casino setting ever. I've never spent $1 in a casino. Really? Ever. Wow. No, I don't plan on it. Um, I mean, maybe if it's like the right time, I just don't have any desire. Don't have any desire to. The, The only time I've ever, I've gone to the casino like twice, I think. Once when I turned 18. Um, just because I was like, huh, I wonder what the experience is like. And then a I lot realized, of people do that. Yeah. yeah I, w- I realized, though, that when you turn 18, you actually can't play any table games because there's alcohol that's served at all of the table games. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I was just playing slots for <laughs> like uh, 30 minutes. And then I was like, okay, well, this is not interesting to me. And I like was like, ah, oh, 20 bucks. Okay. And then it was all gone. And I was like, well, that wasn't very fun and left. But yeah, I've I've probably lost like sixty bucks on slots and then uh, never never found any interest. In it. Yeah. Well, good. That's the best thing you can do. Is not. I mean, the best thing you can do with gambling, and this is this is the way I, I'm. I'm so black and white with like uh, the way this stuff like goes. But mm-hmm. if if you go to a casino and you profit five dollars, you can walk out of that casino and you have profited from gambling. Yeah. which most people haven't. Right. Yeah. Um and and you're you're in the green because of you went into that casino. And um if you go back, you're not going to you're going to be that's your one chance pretty much. Um that's the best thing you can do. Um but it is fun. It is a pastime, I guess. It's never like I've never been like super super into the idea. I've never went to a casino and gambled. Well, yeah. it can be incredibly addictive. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um that's yeah, uh um to me, one of the most depressing things is walking into a to a slots room and you know seeing a bunch of people that are sitting there and they just click the button over and over. They got the cigarette over. going and the old mm-hmm. fashioned yeah. next to them and leaning, staring at the staring at the lights, leaning their chin on their hand and just clicking. It's especially it's especially sad when you see someone that's like past retirement age. And they're sitting there, like, with just, like, gambling their pension away, you know? Like, uh, yeah, it really kind of gets you. But, I mean, I guess when you get to that age, like, whatever. Like, it's your your choice. But they, it's, it it can be kind of predatory, you know? Modern day gambling is so rigged that I would almost call it, like, extortion. Uh, It is so rigged. It, it is made... So that you play it the like just enough to where you you win just enough so that you want to keep playing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know you get that big win. You win twenty bucks after you put uh, fifteen into the machine. So now you're five high, and oh, we're on a lucky streak. Let's keep going. And then you know thirty spins later, you're down. Uh, 50 bucks and uh, you walk out empty handed 
And I think I think the casino can change the payout rates on those. I've uh, heard that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's true. I've heard that for younger people or new new mm-hmm. gamblers, like mm-hmm. guys that just turned eighteen or gals yeah. that just turned eighteen. Um, I've heard what you just said that they change the actual they change the odds in a way to where it's like, oh man, I'm really good at this. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, I have like I'm like lucky. I'm just gonna like keep going. Right. And yeah. That's how they. That's how they get you. Mm-hmm. And that's actually I think that's true as well of those like arcade games that have prizes um like there was a video that came out relatively recently where a guy um he had a backpack that he hid a uh like a light sensor in and you know those you know those games where it has a light and you have to like press you have to stop the light like right in the middle so he had it set up he had it set up so that he would put the backpack down in a very specific place on this light ring, and um, it would sense that light and st- press the button at the exact perfect time. And he realized that it was only paying; it was only hitting every like thirty or something. And oh, so, wow. so he he like went back and he was like, "Huh, okay, so sometimes it's stopping before." Sometimes it's stopping after, but it's it only pays out every 30. So either there's something wrong with the backpack, um, there there's like something wrong there, or well, it's more likely, or they're uh, like they're forcing it to only hit every so often. And he was able to more or less conclusively d- determine that it yeah it's o- it only pays out every so often. You can't no matter how good you are you can't get it to work every single time yeah i think i've seen a video like that where a guy is he has some way to be really really accurate and they slow the video down and you know it's the light is coming up on like the red light where you need to hit it just Mm -hmm. in time to Mm -hmm. win the to win the grand prize and he hits it just in time and then it you slow the video down there's like the click and then it jumps to the next one yeah and it's like well that's that's to be expected right yeah i think it's really those games in particular it seems like there should be some sort of some sort of warning maybe not a maybe warning isn't the right like word like a disclaimer yeah like a disclaimer that this, like uh this machine will steal your money no not that but like something so that you know it's not a completely skill based game because right. the way it's portrayed is that it's a completely skill-based game. You know, if you are the best at this, then you can, like, you can succeed. But it's that's not what it actually is. And I think, like, casinos are almost less insidious because they're like, yeah, like, it's, it's by chance. Like... Right. And it's in the public consciousness at this point. Most people know, like, most, most people know that when you go into a casino... You're, the odds are against you. And some people are like, ah, well, it's fine. Like, I know I'm probably going to lose all my money, but there's a chance, you know? Right. Um, but that's not the same thing with these arcade games because it, it's not, it's, it's, not it, it's just not portrayed that way. I think that every arcade and every casino and every Chuck E. Cheese has the same thing in common. They're not really in it to lose money. So 
the odds are always going to be in the house's favor. I mean, that's like unavoidable. Right, and yeah. um, I think that with a disclaimer idea, I, th- I think that that would just steer everyone away. I mean, at that point, it'd be like, well, it's why play it then? Um, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would say so. Unless they really had to put that in place. Um, right. Actually, what was, I mean, I have, I haven't ever spent money at a casino, but like if you ever go to like an arcade, um, the coin pusher games, you know those? Yeah. Uh, Where you, you put like the token in it and it's like it has the whole pile of tokens on that little like oscillating table. Oh, yeah. That, like, um, yeah, those that, games. Uh, yeah. Um, those are like, I could, I actually used to watch like videos of those because it's just like, for some reason, it's so satisfying. Yeah. Um, I used to have an app on my phone that you could like play that. I never spent any money on it. Don't don't worry. It, <laughs> I don't worry. You like it like refreshed the number of tokens you got after like x amount of time. I don't I I had it for like a week. Don't Gosh, but for some reason like those videos like the actual coin pusher machines are like so satisfying cuz you get like you get like the mega load like stack of tokens. And they're like mm-hmm. there's like no physical possible way that they should be hanging on still. They're like dangling over and then you land like a coin in the right place and it like you win like a bunch of tokens for some reason that's like i don't know i always thought that was really cool. oddly satisfying oddly satisfying yeah totally yeah how does huh i wonder if those coins are weighted because it sure seems that way sometimes <laughs> i don't know man but they're like something about those is just is just it's just cool what's what do you guys find oddly satisfying Ooh. I know that that word gets that phrase gets thrown around. I know. Like, oh, that's so satisfying. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Um, you know, there's uh, there's this like paint stripper chemical, okay? Oh. And you you put it on a a painted wooden surface, or it might not have to be a wood surface, but you put it on a painted surface, okay? And then you cover it up with a uh, a plastic bag, and then uh, you peel that plastic bag off. And you take a scraper and you just scrape it all away, and and like a big curly cue of paint. Oh yeah, paint and that that uh, like removal chemical. It, it like all comes off all together. It like peels off. Oh yeah, One so nice. I realized last summer how much I love washing my car actually, and I I don't wash my car enough. My car is filthy, but it. It's like when you do a full detail on your car and you get done and you're looking at it, it's like, mm, I love it. And there's almost something like therapeutic about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just you alone with your thoughts, like, and your car, man. Your beautiful (laughs) 370Z. Ooh, baby. Um, Cleaning a, the the best thing ever is cleaning a, well, this is this pertains to me only, but uh, like cleaning chainsaws because mm. oh, yeah. mm-hmm. they get so disgusting. Oh yeah, and um, but underneath it's like really nice, like like white enamel paint. Yeah, sure. on, on most of them, and um, like you spray the you spray your detergent on them and you like pressure wash them, and they mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. it just like this chocolate milk freaking comes off of them, and they're like they're so clean afterwards with like no work, and it's it's like it's kind of like cleaning a car, but it's like so night and day, right? Like, immediately. Yeah. I think pressure washing in general is pretty satisfying. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like pre- I really like pressure washing. Like doing a 
doing a sidewalk or something like concrete that's been you just the, all that dirt has like filled into those little holes yeah and then you like you just mm, you get like mm. your perfect little grid pattern oh down yeah, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and then you realize like oh wait if i do it smaller if i do it smaller it gets more pressure and then it gets even more out right. and then you end up doing like a little tiny square inch at a time because <laughs> it's just getting like so perfectly clean oh, yeah. oh man yeah just get a little little carried away sometimes right yeah no um another thing too that um i went to college for like machining so machining is like cutting metal and like you're like making parts so you you make like you're always like making these cuts where you make like these long cool like telephone wire metal shavings yeah 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 or like you know you're you have like a piece of metal on a lathe and you take like a you take like a 200,000 step the cut off of it and that's like a that's like a big chunk of steel coming off okay and if your machine's powerful enough it just like peels off this like this like blue hot shaving Ooh. and you get this like mirror finish underneath and it's like wow i just moved all that metal like yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's actually another thing i don't weld but oh yeah welding's... like if you ever see a really nice weld that someone's like finished up perfectly Dimers. oh yeah yeah stacking dimes that's beautiful like brazing oh yeah brazing's cool yeah brazing can, can, describe what that is because i have it's no like idea a, like uh it's like soldering kind of right and you get these these really cool patterns in it uh because you're you're kind of layering the welds over top of each other oh and it, uh, okay yeah maybe that's what i've seen where it looks like uh it looks almost like little circles or something or maybe yeah. that's something else yeah, that's like, probably tig welding oh could uh, be tig welding is like it can turn out really super super nice but it's incredibly like you have to be very very skilled to be able to tig weld nicely interesting um yeah. i have my buddy kyle is really He's he's I know he's really really good at wire feed, but I think he's getting like really good at TIG, and um it's like it's you're doing so many things at once, like so many little movements of like your huh. filler rod and your torch and your foot to run the like run the the gas and the, oh. the arc, um and you can make like crazy crazy good looking welds, they're like beautiful, yeah. So that's that's satisfying to me. So maybe you guys can explain something to me. Recently, I heard the phrase uh, zero-sum versus non-zero-sum. Oh, oh, like in terms of... Uh, in relation to... Like gambling or like... Yeah. Okay. Sure. Or GameStop shares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is relevant right now. Right, very, yeah. Very relevant I don't know right if now. we want to get into that, but... We, we, probably, we, we probably shouldn't get too into that. Yeah. Um. So someone explain... Like what zero sum is versus not zero sum. Yeah. So, uh, zero sum would be like in order for one person to make money, another person has to lose money. And I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be with money, but uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Like gambling is a gambling is a great um example of technically zero sum, because I mean your money is leaving your pocket and going to someone else's pocket. And there's okay. no, the loser loses basically, um, but um, so f for example, going back to the uh, the uh, GameStop thing, um, an example of non-zero sum would be like um, investing in stocks because um, investing in stocks you gain every, you know you can lose your money if the stock goes down, but if the stock is continuing, if the company keeps growing and developing. Um, you will gain money because the company is gaining traction. So it's like, it's a, it's a non-zero. I mean, there's, there's no loser in a way. I mean, you can, 
you can have a bad opportunity and sell at the wrong time and lose money versus what you paid. But, you know, that doesn't mean that someone else is losing money because you're profiting right, money. I see. Whereas if you were gambling or bartering, I guess, is an example of a of a, a zero sum, maybe, um, even though it's it's pretty much mutual. Um, someone is someone is losing and someone is taking their losses in the form of a profit. Um, but like investing or like stock market stuff is an example of a non-zero sum where you don't necessarily lose unless you just have you're not opportunistic when you sell. Um, okay. That's kind of that's the best way I can describe it or explain it. Yeah, and I I was just got to thinking like theoretically non-zero sum could also go the other way as well where like everybody loses. So like like true. Like if you if you invest in a stock and it go it like goes under like the company just flops it, right. it like it's no longer on the stock market your stock goes to zero and you like you don't pass go you don't collect two hundred dollars <laughs> it's game over um like so it's almost th- like that's an interesting concept as well because you could it it's the negative money, the money almost. does go somewhere though oh yeah 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 it just it just gets spread out to whatever expenses they had i guess yeah, including employees and like uh, management salary and you know that's interesting. I right. um I don't know how I would that that technically could you know if there's a loss it's I don't know if that's still zero non zero sum or if that would be zero sum. Um, but yeah, no the whole the whole GameStop thing that's happening right now is pretty interesting. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of funny. Um, bubbles. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a terrible bubble, and it's it's actually been really fun today. So for anyone that uh, is out of the loop on this, um, there were game the GameStop stock price was kind of creeping up, and there were a lot of like hedge fund managers and kind of like career stock market guys that were shorting that, which basically in a way means that they were betting against the stock, like they were expecting it to go down. Right. Um, and so a bunch of people on a certain subreddit, um, uh, Wall Street Bets. Wall Street Bets. Yeah. They, uh, they caught wind of this. And so they were like, well, what if we just like all buy it and drive the stock price up? Um, and so it, not necessarily a good idea for the individual, but it turned out kind of hilarious because, uh, because all these people that were betting against the stock ended up getting into some trouble because then the stock now skyrocketed. Um, and so they they were left with all these shares of a stock that was going no... Like, uh, the stock was going up, but they weren't making any money on it. Right, it's like... They a, were losing money on it. A sleeping giant was awoken. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's kind of a weird thing. Ha- that's um, kind of like a mob mentality thing. Um, but at the same time, they weren't exactly breaking any rules. Oh, no. Like, right. it wasn't illegal. It wasn't illegal what they were doing. Um, and I'm I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about it. Because on one hand, I'm like, yeah, like, the little guy, like, rooting for the little guy. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, I'm sure there were a lot of little guys that got caught up in that and are also losing their shirts on it. And so, I don't know. It's kind of... It's kind of a it's kind of a tough situation and for me to without knowing the perfect outcome 
you know, right. every little to make detail. a decision. Yeah, exactly. And just to give the a sense of scale here, I read a number like sixty billion dollars uh, were like lost by these these hedge funds over oh over this whole ordeal. That's crazy. It was, it was something ridiculous. So, I, well, that tells you the scale of people. Like the amount of money that was getting pumped into it by individuals as well, right? You know, like I wonder, I wonder how much all of these individuals had pumped into GameStop stock, like wild. Yeah, yeah. It's um another another way. I, I follow this uh I follow this guy on Instagram, and he was like, "This is the f- this is the, basically the start of all the generational wealth from like the baby boomers going to the younger generations." He's it, like, yeah. He's like, well he's like, you're be. seeing it happen right now, yeah. Um, because it, it has to happen somehow, or else it just it just stays in the family. But he's like, this is this is it happening as huh. we speak. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so I guess in this same kind of thread, like we're in some ways we're trying to make a judgment about how like is it right for these people to do that? Um, is it wrong? And some people have pretty, some people have pretty harsh criticisms for them. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, like, okay, we haven't lived in their shoes. We don't know uh, what their life is like. We don't know their motivations for doing it. So, should we judge them based on that? Should we judge people in general? You know, I try not to judge people unless it like specifically affects me, right? Um. So, if uh, the stock stock markets, you know, getting getting uh, closed or whatever, what Robinhood is doing is they are limiting the the transactions that you can make. Uh, that doesn't really affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I can kind of understand why they would do it. So I'm trying not to be too judgmental of them. Uh, yeah. So it, 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 that's a rule you hold in general. Like if someone's not if someone's not bothering you, then you kind of like if you you kind of just like let it ride in a way. Oh, you know, I I try to. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm human. Yeah. Well, so do you think? I guess I guess my question is more general. Like, do you how? Hmm. How do we, how do we, okay, if someone, for example, if someone goes out and kills Joe Blow on 4th Street, that doesn't really affect you, but you're going to kind of judge. Yeah, that's and, true. And, you, you know, like. You would think. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's an extreme example, but, like, where do we draw the line on on judging others, and how do right. we. Oh, Okay. Um, well, I mean, I see what you mean where it's like, why, why judge if it doesn't affect you? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's very human and it's very, it's a very primal instinct to judge others or to judge situations or to judge things, um, because you're, you know, you're wired to make the best outcome for yourself. Yeah. And I suppose our, our, uh, our judgment could be like a derivative of our, our morality, right? Oh yeah. Totally. Of course. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's just a really interesting and difficult topic. Like, how do we, 
where do we draw the line on judging others and how do we how, how to some degree have you heard of the overton window no i haven't never okay wow I, i'm so excited to teach you something oh, i'm excited to learn um so the overton window the overton window is like there's this there's the common thread like what is the middle of an idea right right and that's that's going to be within the overton window but to either side of each thought there's going to be extremes right like on like a spectrum yeah yeah exactly and so usually those far extremes on either side are outside of the overton window where the majority of people are like nah like we can't we shouldn't even talk about it if you like you're those people are kind of they're just outside they're crazy um and then in the middle there there's some room to like argue where you can have this opinion and not be a bad person and you can have these other opinion and not be a bad person and they're on either side of the issue um and so I guess in some way I'm getting at like how how wide should that Overton window be? Like, should we open it all the way up so that like either extreme is acceptable or should, or should it be very, very narrow and which, which direction should it shift? You know, this gets brought up a lot in the realm of politics, um, like left versus right. Exactly. Um, right. Okay. Um, so it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense in that regard, but not necessarily uh, because you can have an issue um, like Wall Street bets or whatever that's not necessarily political. Um, and you can say, okay, well, they should have free reign or they, should ha- they shouldn't even be allowed to uh, uh, influence the stock market at all in that regard. So I don't know, you know. The uh, the Overton window I haven't heard of that, um, but I kind of I, I can I can visualize it and right, I feel yeah. like if someone if someone sits on a certain you know if someone has an opinion and they they sit on a certain point in this in this line this spectrum right yeah and um you know the window is if it's based off the center you know there's there's a frame mm-hmm. you know there's a certain mm-hmm. point where it's if it gets any more beyond that then it gets a little extreme right but if a person has a certain opinion lean to one side or the other their window extends into that direction. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Um, if, if, yeah. So um, I feel like a lot of that is basically how judgmental the, the person is on like a personal level um, on how wide or narrow their window is. I mean, you can imagine someone that's very closed minded and very judgmental. They have a very, they have a very small window, um, but that window could be, that window could be like leaned to one side or the other based off, you know, on that particular topic, or let's say like a political opinion, uh, where they sit. So, or you can think of a really open-minded person that can be possibly have extreme thoughts. Mm -hmm. They have a much wider window. You know, that's, uh, that's really interesting as well, because it goes into this, like we brought up earlier about, uh, polarization. And so, yes. Yeah. Like what, like what you're saying kind of makes, we're almost getting to this point where there's two different Overton windows depending on where you're at. Um, and obviously, like you're saying, it's kind of a gradient because uh, yeah. because like that window might shift according to where everyone is. Um, but if you 
the majority of people end up on one side and the ma- the other not, not okay sorry let me break this down a little bit better okay you've got 40% of people way over on one side and another 40% of people way over on the other side and 10% of people on the middle is is that 10% of people in the middle enough to keep everyone together like Oh, you know, like what you assume that in general, there's going to be more or less equal amounts of people on either side. And then there's going to be some people more or less in the middle. Right. So, like, I don't know. What's that ratio of people to to make everybody like to make both sides touch in a way to keep things kind of on the same playing field and under control? Yeah. 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 That's an interesting concept. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to find out the answer upstairs impaired tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, huh. But, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, I think, you know, both sides are, are important to having a, uh, you know, a wider worldview mm-hmm. and um, important to democracy. But right. Yeah, how far how far should it go to either side? Yeah, I don't know. It's just a it's a really difficult, interesting question. And I think Ryan, the way you put it, like with each individual potentially having a different Overton window, that like really that really was kind of enlightening to me because I hadn't necessarily thought of it that way as like on an individual perspective. I'd always thought of it more as like a consensus perspective, and so. Like, I guess I'd never thought about the ability for that window to kind of split. Right. Um, And then you end up with one person and you're kind of, you're almost forced not to be in the middle. Um, Where, like, for the majority of people, that middle isn't in either of their Overton windows. Um, Yeah. And then that's, like, that's where you end up with, you can't you can't come to any consensus and you almost have to like form two different uh societies in a way which is really scary like i think that's what a lot of a lot of pe- people right now are feeling that sense of like okay well are we are we as a society going to be able to move closer together and a lot of people are hoping for that and they're wanting that, but neither side is really ready to budge, and so it's 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 scary. Yeah. Well, I might I might add a I might add another thought on that. Yeah. Go and for then it. um, are we do we want to wrap it up here pretty soon? Go for it. Okay. Um. Well, I'll, what I would say, and and what I what can probably be observed, is that um after times of hardship like in the world or in a society like maybe after a war or after a depression or after like a general rough patch like a hardship Mm -hmm. i feel like the whole overton window thing the extreme ends get closer together because after people are all on the same playing field fighting for kind of the same thing like to win a Mm -hmm. war or to just continue with their lives and to like keep their country intact um people can agree a lot more after like an extreme t- like hardship, yeah. Um, and I feel like the more comfortable we get, and like the more comfortable we get with the world being the way it is, um, the more people deviate. Um, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. So, huh. That's interesting. So, like, that kind of plays into, like, we're in COVID times, right? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure this will be timeless. Like, everybody will remember COVID times. So, I'm not going to explain what that is. But, um, uh, I was really hoping that COVID would bring everyone together. And I think that it, in other countries it has. But I think it was really unfortunate timing um, in the U.S. because it happened in the lead up to an election. Totally. Um, oh, yeah. And so it, there, do you do you remember back when it first hit and there was it was um, like two weeks to flatten the curve? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I remember that very vividly. Yes. And during that two weeks. You don't have to wear a mask, but if you'd like to. Right. D- well, during that two weeks, it was so it felt kind of unified. Like everyone was kind of on the p- same page. Like, okay, what is this? Let's, let's figure out what it is and let's all like come together. And at the end of that two weeks, I, I remember specifically like timing it almost yeah. like I remember specifically it was two weeks and at the end of that two weeks, it was game on and everybody was back to fighting and so I, I don't know. I it don't was know. it was unifying. No, yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally. Yeah. I did. I never really. I I never really put words to it. Yeah. But everyone was. It seemed like everyone was a little bit more on the same page because there was a bigger task at hand. Right. Yeah. Than, yeah. Than just um just what was going on in whatever whatever their frame of at, or you know their aspect was at that time. But um, I never really noticed that until you kind of put it into words like that. And you know, uh, I think. Going back into, um, like, seeing other countries being more unified, going way back into our uh, social media talk, I think right. a lot of countries want you to think that they're more unified. Wow. Yeah. And I think that the U.S. just has a larger media presence in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're seeing a lot more a lot more arguments and fighting. I have a, a friend that lives in uh, England who, oh, yeah. who he's gone through. You know the same stuff that we're going through here. Oh, gotcha. uh, other than the election stuff that's going oh, on, right. and the uh, the split parties. Um. So that's that's another thing that I think is interesting, and in that we. Sh- so that two weeks was really unifying because everyone was like together, and then we all got stuck at home. And yeah. what did everyone do at home? They went to social media. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think everyone pretty much agrees that social media is polarizing. Um, and so you're hearing it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to low-key predict that at the end of coronavirus, we'll all start coming back together. Um, and what made me think of that um, was that you were saying after, it was after hard things that people start to come back together. And I'm, I kind of agree with that. I think it'll be after coronavirus. We'll all start kind of like, we'll all start kind of just like conglomerating back together and being like, okay. And I think that part of that will be because fewer people like we've all been stuck inside. And so it's going to be mayhem. Like it's going to be, we're going to have the (laughs) funnest time of our lives once coronavirus is over and everything gets opened again like it's going to be bedlam 
in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the economy is going to like go insane because everybody's going to be like, I was in my home spending zero money and now I have this opportunity to do whatever I want basically. And I think that people getting that will force people off of social media because they'll be out, you know, uh, going to concerts, they're going to be going to bars, they're going to be going to restaurants. That would be good. So people will be getting off social media, and they'll be interacting with people, like you're saying. And the one thing about interacting with someone, it person to person, um, it is very hard to look a person in the eye and tell them you hate them. You know, to just in a in physical contact with a person. To just be like, you know what? I don't like you. Yeah. And I don't like anything you stand for. You're almost forced to be like, oh, uh, you know, I don't really, I, I don't really agree, but, <laughs> but like, I, you know, I kind of see where you're coming from. And I think that interaction of just like, you almost have to humble yourself in a way. Right. Um, but over a phone screen. You don't, oh, yeah. yeah, you don't have to. And so, people talk I, mad crap over, uh-huh, over the internet. Uh huh. And so, what I'm hoping for, and this is the optimist in me, is I'm hoping that once coronavirus dies down and everybody's able to get back out there and like start seeing people eye to eye, that the, the polarization will kind of like chill out. And I think to some degree, to some degree, we're already kind of seeing it post election, like tempers have cooled down and things are getting better better and coronavirus vaccines have started coming out um and so i i'm going to we maybe we should wrap it up on a positive note like you know i think i think better things are to come you know maybe maybe not 2021 but if we ride this out um we're gonna be we're gonna be better off yeah this this prediction was voiced on uh, january 28th 2021 yeah thanks (laughs) <laughs> I just hope that it goes remotely back to normal or back to something like it was before. Yeah. I don't ask much else, but yep. remotely back to normal would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. Um, so for everybody out there listening, you can check us out on impairedupstairs.com. We'll be uploading all of our new podcasts there. Um, hopefully we'll be getting a social media presence here relatively soon. We haven't, um, we haven't gotten there yet. We're working on a logo where we've got some big stuff coming up. Uh, hopefully in the future we'll end up getting some guests. Um, I think that's on the docket. We'll get some people up here upstairs, you know, (laughs) maybe impaired. We'll see depending on the guest. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, if you'd like to reach out, you can reach us at info at impairedupstairs.com or if you visit the website there's a contact us page and you can uh, you can contact us through that it's live and working Um, so if you'd like to be a guest if you have any uh, comments or suggestions or um, you just want to reach out and tell us a great job how great how great we're doing oh yeah Um, we do enough of that for each other though (laughs) oh yeah you got that (laughs) Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, yeah. uh, and yeah, yeah, when, we're, when tr- we're not working, we're upstairs, upstairs. impaired. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs>